Hey everybody, what's going on? Rob Sestrino back with you to talk some amazing race 35, episode number 10, as we go from five to four teams here this week. And we are without Jessica Lease, who is on assignment today. Uh, she will be uh, back with us for the exit interview coming up on Thursday, but back with me to talk about it. A man who is always serving, sometimes sorting. Give it up for Mike Bloom. I am so glad you said serving, Rob, because I don't know if you're speaking French or English, but uh, I'd love for you to just rate this dish for this week. <laughs> okay. Uh, can you tell the people at home uh, what uh, this uh, ensemble that you put together is? Okay, look, here's the thing. Last week, perhaps the most comments we've received in response to an Amazing Grace episode or an Amazing Race podcast was like, oh, can't wait for Mike Bloom to dress up like the Dragon Keeper. Where's Mike Bloom's Dragon Keeper costume? Looking forward to that Dragon Keeper costume. We'll be completely cards up here the way the sausage, the Swedish sausage gets made. Uh, we record these a bit earlier in the day. I did not have enough time to get uh, a wig together. Took the holiday. Said mm -hmm. thank you to Amazon. Thanksgiving. Very grateful that they have that two-day shipping. It arrived at my doorstep, and I said, better late than never. Let me throw this on, and much like that dragon, Rob. You're the dragon I'm keeper from last week. Yes, I okay. am. I mean... Listen, I think given the quality of this episode, there wasn't any <laughs> particular stuff to dress up about, considering there was so much yeah, to dress up I was from like, last okay. week. Let me, yeah, let me pull from that. All right. Mike, is there an earbud dangling from your wig? Is there? It fell it out. It fell out? Okay. <laughs> I can't get it I'm out. I'm sure if that was part of the costume or just knotted in there. I can't get it out. <laughs> <laughs> Angela, could you bring a scissor? Yeah. Oh my God. I don't understand how people with long hair do this. Yes. Okay. You need a scrunchie, I think, for this podcast. No, dragon keepers don't need scrunchies. <laughs> I'll use a dragon's talent to tie back my hair. I <laughs> think you've turned your camera back off. I don't know if I can <laughs> have a serious conversation no, I with you. Me seriously looking oh my like God. This? Yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, boy, and Mike, uh, that did you also uh, abstain from shaving for this performance? Also, yes, I did not take an expo marker and draw on my <laughs> face five minutes before the podcast. This is one hundred percent oh natural realness. I should get a Nobel Prize for dressing up on podcasts. You should. Where's my salmon tattooery? <laughs> All right, <laughs> Mike, Todd and Ashley, <laughs> can you believe it? I, I, well, I was going to say I cannot believe it, but like 10 minutes in, I could kind of believe it. Yeah. Right. I mean, this is uh, unfortunately the third out of four weeks where we have a team fall behind fairly early on in the leg due to one to two consequential errors and not necessarily be able to catch up as much as that sort of train door cliffhanger may have led us to believe, Rob, you've watched a lot of reality TV. Be honest. Did you think when we see them running to this train as the doors are closing and we cut to black that they would have made it or not? I would think that they would not have made it. I agree. I think 
if they did, like in the moment, it was really exciting. It's something new we usually get for Amazing Race. Again, we usually see people do the task to completion. Clearly here, they were trying to build up some sort of climacticism. But I feel like had they gotten on the train, we would have seen them get on the train. Mm -hmm. The fact that we didn't, and we'll find out tomorrow as to like, whether that was even the same train as everybody else, that could have just been a big edit as to like the other three teams were just so far ahead of Todd and Ashley that they were on another train completely. And so they did make it, but onto another train entirely. But yeah, it was a little bit of a excitement in the moment, but the more you especially think about reality TV editing, the more you're like, yeah, if this was exciting, they would have shown it. Mm -hmm. It was a very exciting finish for the other four teams where we had a situation where I can't really recall one where the top three teams were sort of like all on foot, like looking for where the mat was. And it really seemed like any of them could have gotten it. And then just out of nowhere, here comes Joel and Garrett with a first place finish. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Could this be a forecast for the finale, perhaps, that we'll have two teams in it to win it, and then one team just kind of sneaks through entirely? I mean, I guess the true winner of this week is the subway uh, mm -hmm. in so many ways. First off, the subway stations in Stockholm compared to New York City in both efficiency and artistic value, say magnifique, to quote mm -hmm. Greg. Uh, that is beautiful. But also, like, it's kind of wild, yeah, that I would say... This episode was a bit of a continual tick down in quality for me from, I think, the, the sort of apex we hit a couple of episodes ago. wasn't a, I thought it was last week was pretty good, not great. This week, I really liked the last 10 minutes because that's when, like, shit kind of hit the fan and you had three teams all running together trying to find this pit stop. And here comes Joel and Garrett just being in the right place at the right time, finding the subway station and winning the leg because of it. Yeah. Did the other three teams, the top three teams, did they not take the subway to get to the mat? It seemed like that they were on foot and they were. No, they did. I uh, do not recall Annalie like yelling at Steve, like get your ass in gear, get on the train. The doors are closing. They did get on the, the subway, but obviously it was a later subway than Joel and Garrett. Okay. Got it. Um, So and it was not a bus, which I guess can oftentimes be confused with a subway. <laughs> I thought that was such a great moment in the episode where Steve and Annalie end up going on. They get to the violinist first. Uh, they get out and the clue says to go by the subway and then they get on a bus. And then here comes Rob and Corey and they're telling the bus driver, like, close the door, close the door, don't let them in, don't let them in, we're in a race, leave, leave, leave. And they're like, hey. And Corey's like, uh, you know, this is a bus, uh, not a, <laughs> it's not the subway. I'm so confused in so many ways. <laughs> was, was Steve like, subway, that must be some sort of fancy Swedish term that means bus. You can't spell <laughs> subway without B U S. Yeah, that's a, some sandwich place, I guess. Uh, is there, I don't know where they're from. Uh, maybe there's not they're a lot Texas. of, yeah. Do they, uh, let me text Chappelle. Uh, yeah. what's the subway situation like in, in Honestly, Texas? that will be the cleanest question you'll ask Chappelle this week on the podcast that you do. So I think he'd be grateful for it. He'd be like, okay, what do I need to learn about condom laws in Texas? Why are you asking me this? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, that, but that was so funny that they were just like, screw wild. them, screw them. And they're like, uh, Hey, just want to let you know, uh, this is a bus. Well, also like the entire exchange before that, where Rob and Corey, we'll talk about the use of the express pass. Don't know that the main entrance to the theater is the main entrance to the theater. They pull pen holderness. They're like, this can't be it. They're wandering around. Steven and Ali do them a solid. And they're like, oh, it's actually in there. And so Corey and Rob return the favor 
Little do they know that Stephen and Ali did not want the favor return. They were ready to slam that bus door in the face of these two guys because they were so, so confident yeah. that this indeed was the subway they were supposed to get onto and this was going to catapult them into first place. Yeah, and they end up working together throughout the bulk of the episode. And I thought, you know, for Steve and Annalie, even though they end up with a fourth place finish, kind of a return to form for them where uh, they're back, at, like for most of the episode, back at the front of the pack. Yeah, I mean, Anna Beast, Anna Beast really makes her, you know, uh, come, once again, coming out party, I should say, re-coming out party in this roadblock where she does it once, which a few of the teams did, but she did it at an alarming pace. I don't know if she's just a natural for the midsummer mm -hmm. of it all, but it's so interesting to have seen like Garrett react to or and Greg react to Anna Lee of Greg really taking his time seeing Annalie finish lightning quick and being like, okay, I guess the details don't necessarily matter. And then he fails the first try because yes, they do matter. Yeah. I, she made it seem so easy where it's like, okay, well, I guess if she's able to just uh, wing it like this, everybody else was uh, spending so much time on it. Uh, it really seemed like that was where Todd and Ashley ended up uh, getting off on the wrong foot. Yeah, uh, that was, I think, the major thing that did them in. And maybe we'll find out tomorrow if there were other things from a navigational perspective or even a task perspective that did them in. But unlike Robin and Chelsea, where last week it seemed like the roadblock and getting lost to the caves, it really did seem like, at least from the edit, it was just, you know, they were second to last or basically tied with Robin and Corey getting to that roadblock. Robin and Corey used the express pass. And so Todd and Ashley are in last. And then Ashley is having a tough time weaving this sort of garland and as a result she ends up in last place and they're not able to catch up from it despite the good attitudes they try to have all right let's talk about uh how this leg all came together our teams were gonna head to sweden and todd is gonna be the most pumped up to find out we're gonna do some skydiving yeah i would imagine a lot of teams do this back in the days the teams would just buy like an atlas of the area when they're in the airport just to like get accustomed with the landmarks or perhaps get some maps that would be of use. I would imagine nowadays in the age of the internet that especially when you're given like a destination to go to that a lot of these teams are like, Oh, can we research this place, find out how to get there and what it is. But I think because of the big spectacle of skydiving and especially Ashley's initial reaction, it had to make the edit to just provide this incredible moment, which was getting to see like quite literal oppositional reactions of Todd being pumped beyond belief and Ashley, like, having every ounce of her digestive system fall into the bottom of her shorts. Mike, does skydiving make for good, amazing racing? It depends on what you mean by good, amazing racing. If you mean here is a task that could have teams passing other teams, no. This is basically, we haven't really ever seen a team chicken out from doing, with the exception of uh, Mika back during the water slide, like, oh my God, this height task is so debilitating. I can't do this and we lose the race because of it. Especially when you're up there in the plane at 10,000 feet, I understand that fears can absolutely amount to something physical, but like, I, I don't think you're not getting out of the plane at that point, especially with a million dollars on the line. So from like an actual entertainment perspective, no, it's just people falling out of planes one right after the other. It does lead to some fun character moments, though, getting to watch Joel's beard get brushed up like he's in a wind tunnel. Mm -hmm. And obviously, Ashley's like zero to 100 mood, much like the speed at which she was going, where she is literally screaming her head off, 
getting out of the plane and then it immediately turns to screams of ecstasy of like oh my god this is the best thing that could i'm gonna do it to again me. yeah i i mean that's incredible I, I i know that it's something that's not usual to the amazing race i feel like where people are suddenly becoming adrenaline junkies because of it i feel like you come onto the race already being one or like a claire from last season being like i got that done and i don't want to do it again so it's nice to mm -hmm. see someone like ashley be like oh did I, do i love skydiving now mm -hmm. did i just find my new thing so for the teams in the skydiving, it's basically like everybody was up in the plane at the same time. Uh, they, they drew numbers, but it seemed like that everybody they just fell out of the plane like one after each other. I thought that it was a fun moment where I think it was Todd and I'm sorry, Joel and Garrett and then Steve and Annalee had gotten their numbers for the mm -hmm. skydiving oh, yes. like it was a bakery. And then here comes uh, Greg and John. They missed the thing. And Steve and Annalie and uh, Joel and Garrett are like, don't tell him. Don't. Yeah. I mean, this is wild because you even like misorder. Greg and John, surprise, surprise, get there first. Yeah. But they missed the number. And that's right after John's like, I just feel like I have these dreams, these premonitions that we're going to miss these little things and not realize it until it's too late. Lo and behold, that came to fruition. And granted, maybe it is sort of like the uh, taped up express passes taken sign from a couple of weeks ago that like it's almost too imperceptible if you're not spotting the forest for the trees. But it was an interesting moment. And I was also very surprised that, OK, Greg and John pass it. OK, this might be the thing that gets them down to the fifth. But then after Joel and Garrett and Stephen and Ali, the other two teams are missing it. And so now they turn this into an improbable needle in a haystack task where now they're searching around this random airfield trying to find these little placards with numbers on them. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, uh, they find it. It's really, it amounts to absolutely nothing. Uh, but it was a fun moment. Uh, I couldn't help yeah, but notice. I, 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 did like, I did like Joel just being like, Oh, I'm so sorry, guys. I wish I would help you, but you're just too dominant at this point. So <laughs> sorry. Yeah, they really have uh, Greg and John on the mind. Yeah, they're the machines. They I call mean, them the machines. How could yeah. they not be? They won four legs in a row. That's one away. And Joel and Garrett being the Kukuka combo breakers this episode. Were that not the case, Greg and John finished in first place. That ties a record mm -hmm. in Amazing Race history. Like, yeah, they're the machines. I couldn't help but notice the sign that was where they had to uh, pick their numbers. Did you happen to see this, Mike? Uh, I mean, Greg and John certainly didn't, but do tell. Yes. Uh, so the sign, I couldn't help but notice the sign that read, uh, EJ in fart. <laughs> Seems like there was a boys night going yeah, on at the airstrip. Yeah, boys night. Um, uh, I did look on Google Translate, uh, edge in fart, uh, does translate to no driveway. Oh, okay. Well, maybe I should visit Sweden more often if there's fun little choice phrases like that. <laughs> I'm like, did that sign say in fart? And I said, yep, it did. I mean, if you edge in fart, I cannot think of a worse way to just put your date night to an end. Mm -hmm. Okay. So uh, we go from skydiving and uh, then uh, we get to where uh, who wants to party? Okay. Uh, make a wreath and put it on the maypole. Mike, do you know anything about maypoles? Oh, yeah. Uh, my back when my wife's family lived on a vineyard, they hosted the Beltane Festival every year, which is the Celtic wow. ceremony of uh, it's the it's sort of like the the celebration of spring, the celebration of reproduction in particular. And 
The maypole itself, I might be butchering some words here, Rob, but basically it's a giant penis. That's okay. The all right. There's, a, there's a, a whole ceremony in Beltane where all the men take this giant maypole on their shoulders. They parade around the grounds going, oh, oh, oh. And they hoist it into the air, you know, occasionally on beat. And then they get to the hole and then they put it in and they take it out and they put it in and then they take it out. Wow. And then finally they put it in one final time before raising it. And then all the ribbons unfurl and all the children dance around the phallic object. Yeah, I it was not lost on me that the wreaths and the maypole uh, was a somewhat of a of a phallic drawing. Yeah, uh, which I think is probably in theming with the end game of the Amazing Race 35, considering we have one woman left mm -hmm. in the final four. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. OK, so uh, who wants to party uh, work on uh, the wreath and the maypole? Um, and then ultimately, this is where Rob and Corey are going to use their express pass. Um, and they kind of regret it. But should they have, Mike? I really love their logic here. I mean, we talked about this with Morgan and Lena as to like, if you're just using it to be like, oh, we want to get out to a lead. And especially early on in the race where there's so much more wiggle room, they obviously had a much better opportunity to use it, which was oh my God, we're in second to last place at a needle in a haystack roadblock. Let's use it right here, right now. Rob and Corey, I don't begrudge how they used it whatsoever. I love their line of thinking that they were definitely going to use it on a roadblock or a detour, which granted there may have been a root info to really trip them up. Arguably the thing that tripped them up the most was a root info, though I don't know how you use an express pass on that root info. Like, mm -hmm. does the cameraman just say, yeah, go in there, go see the violinist? Mm -hmm. But I like their thinking about roadblock versus detour, where they said, basically, two heads are better than one. We're usually good at the detours. Maybe last week's the exception, but usually we're good at the detours. We'd much rather have something that we can work together on rather than a task that only one of us can work on. And I'm not even, I'm not sure. I think it was maybe Rob who did the, uh, the, the bouquet task back in Vietnam. I was trying to remember who did that. I don't remember how well they did, but I also wonder if they had that in their heads as well of like, if this is something similar to that floral arrangement, I don't feel great about it. So let me use it here. Guarantee I get out at least a little bit ahead of all the other teams that are here. And then at least if the detour is a little bit of trouble, I have something to fall back onto. Yeah, you know, when we saw that only Anna Lee d does it and it's so easy, it's like, oh, that was kind of a waste of the express pass. Uh, but then when we see how much other people ended up struggling, like Ashley and uh, some of the other teams, you know, I, I don't think this was the worst use of the express pass in the world. Uh, but then when they see that Steve and Anna Lee have already beaten them to the next thing, they're like, oh, we're idiots. Yeah, but also at the same time, like they weren't using it to get first. They said at the beginning of this, like they're just using it to guarantee they make it to the final four. And so like if it's purely for survival, as opposed to, again, how Morgan and Lena's use was perceived to us, which is like, oh, we want to get a first place finish. I am more forgiving with how they used it, uh, not to mention like there's a lot of race to go. And again, all the teams were so scrunched together. You know, I think Greg and John said they had maybe a five minute lead at that roadblock that, yeah, maybe uses as an opportunity to get out ahead of at least some other teams. So then if you do fall back on either a detour or getting lost, getting to a freaking subway, then, okay, at least you have 
some things to fall back on where other teams are struggling as well. All right. So the teams would go from the roadblock to head on foot to the Royal Dramatic Theater. Yes. And it was quite dramatic for Rob and Corey as they just couldn't figure it out. They showed up late for the show and like half the doors were locked. You're trying to figure out how to get in there. But uh, it culminated in them actually leaving the theater and I don't know, doing a, their own sort of processional around the mm-hmm. outside of it. While Stephen Annerley just kind of walk in and like, where'd they go? Mm-hmm. There's a violinist. I hear them. Can't find the entrance or uh, couldn't find the way in. What's interesting, though, is that the previously on feels like teams realize they're not going to help each other anymore. And we see Corey, you know, doing that slow walk past Joel of like, don't see me, don't see me. Here, though, Robin Corey and Stephen Annerley pretty much worked together for the rest of the leg, Mm -hmm. which I don't know if they brought that up on the previously on to show some sort of discrepancy uh, or if this does mean like a true turning of the worm for Rob and Corey that they're like, hey, we're out in the lead, might as well work with them. It was just a very distinct shift. Yeah. um, It had been like a storyline with a lot of like Robin and Chelsea throughout the course of the season. Mm -hmm. Um, And we'll see if like how much longer teams are going to work together. I mean, we're at the final four, so I don't know how much it behooves them. Yeah, I I think it's, if it's a matter, I think for them, it was we're out in the lead. We might as well work together to like help ourselves guarantee we don't get eliminated, which I think is very different than, okay, we're just going to help you despite the fact that we're in last place. And I think final four is kind of that breaking point where they say, okay, all bets are off. Anything goes, especially since we have seen that these four teams in particular can be like very competitive with one another, despite how dominant Greg and John have been for the entirety of this race. So I would be more inclined to say this was a one time thing, but it was really interesting again, how much they set it up as like, look at Corey, not acknowledging Joel last time. And now he's Mr. Salvation Army ringing the red bucket, telling Stephen Annalee a bus is not a subway. Uh, I thought that uh, Joel and Garrett had the the most awkward interaction with the violinist. Uh, because Garrett thought it was a viola. Uh, it just seemed like that. Uh, I felt like that she was like, OK, here's the clue. Well, Joel is going to bring something up at the recycling plant that is something I guess new we know about him, which is. All clue givers get a hug. Did he ask the violinist for a hug and we didn't see it? I didn't notice that. No, I did not know that that was a thing. Yeah, he said that when he asked the recycling guy to give him a hug after giving his clue. And I did not realize that was a trend. Listen, consent is important. So I'm glad Joel Mm -hmm. asked for it. At the same time, how many of these people want to hug this sweaty, hairy (laughs) man? Do you think that he hugged the violinist and that uh, we didn't end up seeing it, but then he had to hug the next person to make it not weird? Oh, that's interesting. Like maybe he hugged the violinist and is like, oh, that's going to be really weird to my wife and kids. Okay, I hug all the clue givers. All right, bring it in. So he'll hug Phil. He'll hug the reader at the mat. Yeah. You got to. It's a a good cover on Joel's part. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, then uh, we're going to see the teams go from getting the clue uh, from the Royal Dramatic Theater to head to the Solna Centrum Station. Uh, that's where you take a train to get there, not a bus. Yes, and I will say again, these stations are beautiful. Considering, again, the infrastructure that I am personally used to uh, being mm-hmm. a member of the tri-state area in subway stations, 
I would love to get off somewhere and just see like an art installation. In front of me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What kind of art do you typically see, Mike? P <laughs> on the walls. <laughs> Posters from like movies that came out in 2019 because the other ones have been ripped down. <laughs> <laughs> so all right then uh the teams have to do either sort or serve only one team was going to be serving and uh, i felt like the amazing race did make a meal out of that no pun intended mm -hmm. uh but most of our teams are going to be sorting uh did you have any idea how much recycling is going on in sweden 99 percent they're importing that sounds their high. recycling that sounds I mean, high I know Scandinavia has been uh, shown in studies to be like one of the happiest places to live in the world, but like it's just getting more and more appealing by the hour. I suppose the more things I find out about them, though, I don't know. They do have barcodes on all the ships. Yes. It, oh God. Incredible dad joke from Joel, <laughs> by the way. Uh, but I, I, I like, if you do recycle so much in Sweden, do you think you have to go to one of these plants and do it yourself? Do you have to junk your own refrigerator? Or do you think the people at the recycling plant do that for you? Yeah, so many questions of that they're bringing in all of this trash and recycling all of the toilets and refrigerators and just things I didn't even know you could recycle. I mean, I suppose everything is recyclable from a certain perspective. But yeah, I didn't I thought it'd be the usual things you recycle glass, plastic, paper. Not porcelain. Mm -hmm. That was the thing. This was definitely our like weekly, okay, this feels more like a tough as nails challenge <laughs> task of, okay, let's demo this tub and throw it in it. I did love the cathartic aspect from yeah. it, especially for Todd and Ashley. Uh, Rob, when I was part of a fraternity, every, uh, every year during pledge week, we would do what was known as tough night, which was kind of laughable considering the, the the composition of our fraternity but uh they would bring in a bunch of tvs and random things from the junkyard and pledges would take to it with hammers uh and so they would just absolutely destroy wow. stuff try to exude as much masculinity as possible so i got to experience firsthand how cathartic just the art of smashing an inanimate object can be going on 10 years at this point well we had the amazing race challenge i don't remember what season it was i think it was in japan um where the teams had to do the like smash room oh yeah 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 and they had to like smash a certain amount to like maybe i'm thinking about a, a challenge from the challenge to like get it through a grate or something but <laughs> yeah i mean there is something nice especially at that incredibly stressful point any mistake can lose you out on a million dollars. Absolutely take it out on some refrigerators. Absolutely ride your bike into the wall. Throw the tires. Much like, again, a tough as nails overtime challenge we saw. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So um, we got the teams uh, sorting and recycling. They loved it, these teams. Uh, everybody had fun. Yeah. Do you think Greg and John in retrospect regretted it? Uh, just because, like, it seems, again, like almost therapy a nice mental health checkpoint on the amazing race that they missed out on by having to essentially uh, run kitchen and bar for the Nobel prize <laughs> ceremony. I don't know. They did a really good job. Uh, so I don't think that they're necessarily going to have any regrets oh. about and choosing you know, this. Yeah. Production was so happy. Cause look at like what went into that. They had to have all those extras get dressed to the nines sitting down. You had to have a room festooned with all of these dishes, with all of these placards, you had to fill basically an entire restaurant. All this French stages. food, right. Yeah, imagine if no teams took that. Production would be livid. 
at that idea that they basically mm-hmm. got all dressed up with nowhere to go. Yeah. So they ended up uh, getting to use it. Uh, we'll talk about that in a second. But um, for Joel and Garrett also, we find out, was it Joel that is a big wrestling fan and got to pretend yeah. that he was Hulk Hogan or Andre the Giant? Yeah. I mean, I do. A, I think that Joel would be the one to rhyme with anything that his partner said, a la uh, Fezzik, I think his name is, from the uh, from uh, Princess Bride. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, Joel, can you like uh, reference which era Hulk Hogan? Just <laughs> curious. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, there, yeah, there was a Hulk Hogan with a beard at one point. Oh, really? Was it as long as Joel's? No, definitely not. Yeah, it was actually no. uh, kind of like yours, Mike. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I would say I feel like and I'm sure there are WWE wrestlers, especially given like the aesthetic nowadays that would have that long of a beard, but it feels counterintuitive to like your entire thing. Do you want that much hair for people to be able to grab onto? Ideally not. Uh, but you know, it's, it's for uh, an aesthetic. I mean, I feel like that he does uh, uh, look like I uh, Jim, the anvil Neidhart. Okay, that could be someone completely fictional, and I would buy it 100%. Jim the Anvil Nightheart. Uh, let me see if I can uh, bring up a uh, Jim the Anvil Nightheart. Okay, uh, maybe from. I'm just surprised uh, that Joel didn't try to like break a sink over his knee or something if he's really mm-hmm. such a big wrestling fan, or give it the people's elbow. Yeah, well, I think he likes really old wrestling. He's like mm-hmm. he likes wrestling like from the 80s. Okay. Oh, okay. Let me see. All right. Um, oh, oh, very, R.I.P. Jim the Anvil Neidhart. Uh, oh, so, uh, yeah, J- Jim the Anvil Neidhart. Let me see if I can bring this up as we are way in the weeds now. Uh, what do you think? Oh, this yes, be- oh look at that. Oh, he took Joel's initial outfit for the amazing race that they wouldn't let him wear. <laughs> yeah. So a, Why cl- is a classic such a long wrestling. Cut? Yeah. That's not even a tank top. Yeah. That's basically a belt with straps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Look, uh, Mike, this is what they wore in the 90s. I, I grew up in the 90s. I don't think they did. <laughs> I know I I'm know. dressed like I'm someone from a band in the early 2000s, but I remember the 90s. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about Greg and John and their uh, serving and their strategy. They really did a good job with this. I was very impressed. Well, it was... I wouldn't say a five hole. Uh, maybe we should love. Uh, I, I won't do this with just in abstention. Should we rate like five holes on a scale where it's like one to five hole? Yeah. You know, because if, if we're doing that, I would just call this maybe like a three hole because Greg obviously has a large working knowledge of French. So it's something that definitely would help them. But in it's the not tab. their job. Like he doesn't like right. work in a French restaurant. Like uh, he did at one point talk about with the wreaths. He's like, well, this is now when we have to start debugging. Well, yeah, that's bringing back to uh, get the picture, mm-hmm. right? Of, okay, start debugging, start debugging when we make mistakes. But this was like, this is the reason why they're the machines. This was a pitch-perfect way to approach what was demonstrably the harder of the detour tasks. And they did it in the perfect way, which is you don't need to memorize the entire thing. This isn't like the mustard challenge where you have to pair it back mm-hmm. exactly what was told to you. You just need to memorize like the first word or like, a word that looks unique so that, oh, you can spot it easily. Now, I think a working knowledge of the French language probably helps with that, where you would know what each word meant. So you're not just memorizing the word for sandwich, but yeah, they killed this, right? They they didn't fail. They did a great job. I was a little confused about how this was going to work. So we had like the four Nobel Prize winners for four different years, but then it seemed like 
did you bring out like was was each table like uh, a certain course and each person had like, OK, bring out the first course from a certain year to the, all the people at this one table? So it's like if there was another alumni gathering for like survivor players, it would be like if they had named, uh, you know, certain meal selections like the Amazon token chains cambodia okay so it's like then you have to go and figure out okay the cambodia dish involves this this and this and then you basically had to like match up the plate to the person who was designated based on like the year that that person had won the nobel prize because what was confusing to me was like okay so it's like all right here was like what the uh dish was for 1911 and like it would make sense to me even if there was like a table that was like 1911 and bring out the mm-hmm. like the four dishes that were served and that meal but it seemed like that they were bringing out like the like first course just to from different years all to the same table well, I th- yeah, I think it was that the person was the year, not mm-hmm. the table. And so it was a matter of, because they also memorized it in cl- like a certain order. They said, okay, this is 1912, this is 1931, et cetera, et cetera. I, listen, I was a fan of this. Uh, I believe we've been to Sweden technically four seasons beforehand, but really three. And I think in the second one that we went to, they did like a dynamite challenge in honor of Alfred Nobel. Oh my God. So it was fun to see like a Nobel prize challenge. Yeah. Can you talk about how it was four times, but actually three? Yeah. So in the last time we actually went to Sweden, technically, which was an amazing race 25, they literally did a task in Sweden where they drove like from the border to Sweden to a bridge to do a task and then drove to Denmark, which is where they spent the rest of the leg. So like technically they went there, but they didn't spend as much time in it as they did. And I think it was season six, as we talked about last week, 15 and I think 17 were the three. So it's Mm -hmm. been a long time since we've been to Sweden in a really meaningful way. Okay. Well, then we then had our teams go from the detour and then head to the Pampas Marina to then uh, get the clue to go find where the mat was. And so uh, that's when everybody's going to be in this mad scramble to the mat. Yeah, I mean, Amazing Race does their hardest to create hard but memorable tasks for these teams to push them to their fullest extent. But sometimes the most struggle they'll have is trying to figure out how to get to a freaking subway station. Mm -hmm. That's just the race in a nutshell. And I do appreciate the producers, again, at least trying to throw in a bunch of route infos and places to go to try to jumble up the situation. They got it to, on the one hand, with Joel and Garrett passing the top three teams, but unfortunately, it didn't work out in their favor when Todd and Ashley are, again, just so far behind that they can't catch up. Mike, let's talk about our teams and how they ultimately fared this week. Okay, Joel and Garrett, first, first place of the season Is this a harbinger of uh, what's to come? Could this be the winning team from The Amazing Race? I really hope so. And I love them finishing in first. They are by far, in my opinion, the people who have the best surprise reactions at the mat between them thinking they were dead last and Andrea and Malena getting eliminated instead of them during Phil's, again, still incredibly awkward. You know, we're going to a brand new country. The good news is you will still get that chance to visit that country. You're not getting eliminated. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, while it's always good to have a first place finish and it proves your worth, I am a little hesitant just based on the circumstances that 
it's not that they didn't deserve first place, but the, kind of the only reason they got first place was because the other three teams got lost. And that's just like an extraordinary lightning striking circumstance. So listen, I could be surprised all the teams are going to be together in Ireland. I There could be a world where they net a second first place finish or even eke it out to the finale and get it there. But I do feel like as much as I absolutely love these guys, I do think from a skill perspective, they're a bit of a step down mm-hmm. from the other three teams that ironically they finished ahead of this leg. Got a little nervous for Joel and Garrett. We got the personal story bump. Uh, mm-hmm. That Was it we uh, Joel or Garrett we found out about uh, his daughter? Garrett was Garrett. the one that revealed his daughter uh, with special needs, has cerebral palsy, uh, talked about how his daughter inspires him because she is able to like, work with her disability and make a life out of it. So it shows like, listen, if she can do that, given her capabilities, why can't I? I agree though. I was getting nervous. Look, we pegged these guys last week for either fifth place or fourth place. So I thought, and especially when Garrett fails at the wreath and ends up falling further into the back of the pack, I thought like, okay, these guys are one bad task or one, you know, navigational miss away from getting eliminated but it was quite the opposite. So no matter where the ride stops, I'm just happy to be on it at all with these two guys. And who knows if they're able to succeed where one team fails next week, they're looking in the finale. So for Joel and Garrett, I'd love to see them end up getting there. But I also think that there's probably a greater chance. They're the team that ends up in fourth place next week. Yeah, I think if you do like pound for pound comparing them with the other racers they're up against, I think they are number four. That being said, the advent of the amazing race, what can make it so fun and so frustrating at the same time is like all that matters is that you don't come in last. Mm -hmm. And so, again, if another team happens to have a worse day than they do, then they're in the finale. Yeah. Okay. So we'll see if Joel and Garrett can uh, keep this hot streak going, okay? And the team they beat out, wow, so close to history. I mean, yep. had they been able to find the mat, it would have been four in a row for five Greg and John. Five, oh, five yep. in a row? Oh, my God. Yeah, they would have gotten the thumb, as Jim from Jim and Misty, may he rest in peace, like to say, and which would have tied Justin and Diana as uh, the, a record for most leg wins in a row. And they nearly got there despite missing the number placard at first, despite, you know, getting to the Midsommar in third place and failing their first wreath check. These guys were able to like put together a showing in an incredibly hard detour, catch up with these other two teams and then beat them to the mat because they're so damn fast. Like every week, despite the fact that these guys took a step back, they took a step forward in my opinion of just having everything it takes to walk away a million dollars. right? They're so good, Mike, but I'm just concerned about them where we had that moment in the episode where uh, I'm not sure if it was Greg or John, uh, but just to have the foreshadowing of like, oh man, the best teams, you could just screw up one challenge and not win. I mean, I had thought that was a foreshadowing of them missing the number card and not being team number one in that way. To your point, it could be foreshadowing for them blowing something I would imagine in the finale. I mean, we saw this last season where and even two seasons ago as well, where it comes down to two or even three teams at one final task right before the pit stop. That's usually a choke point. And that could be a point where you quite literally choke and another team passes you by. It's certainly in the cards for Greg and John, but I feel like the way they've 
gone about making mistakes and recovering from them has been one of the best we've seen from a team so far. So even if they do, I still think they have the capabilities to recover from it and somehow wind up in first yet again. They nearly did this leg. Yeah. Also, are they a victim of their own success in that? Do you think other teams do not want to help them, as we saw with uh, when they were not getting any information from uh, Joel and Garrett and from Stephen Annalee? I definitely do. But as we mentioned before, I think the final four is really at least at the very like latest, the point where all bets are off and teams are like, we're just going to race on our own because again, it's such a tight window for you to squeeze into to make it to the finale. So I think this is the most we'll get of teams not working with Greg and John. We're not going to get like an Andy and Tommy season 19 situation where the other three teams are going to be like, let's box them out of the finale and gang up together. And again, even if they do, my money still might be on Greg and John just because they're so good. Okay. Greg and John, second place. Um, Rob and Corey, Mike, interestingly enough, Mike and Corey have never had a first place finish on uh, this season of The Amazing Race. Ten legs. That's surprising to me. Yeah, uh, and I think they are really proving what we've seen from a few winners of The Amazing Race, which is like consistency is the most important thing and how it's not how you start, it's how you finish. The only leg you need to come in first place in is the last one. Because I think the circumstances with which they've consistently not finished in first has either been teams have just done a lot better than them in that leg or like they'll make a small mistake or choose the more uh, time waste detour and as a result far a bit further behind. So maybe it's a bit of my bias is showing just because I love the guys. I could still very easily see them taking first place as soon as next leg. We've seen that with other teams as well. Brooke and Scott. I think only had their first first place finish in the penultimate leg of season 29. And I think Rob and Corey are stable enough and consistent enough. It's clear they had a lot of thinking into their express pass use. And I think if they do things right, check all the boxes next leg, I could see them get their first first place finish. Yeah, do you think that they will continue to work with Steve and Annalee moving forward? Again, I don't necessarily think so. Uh, I think especially like, Anna Lee might just be so competitive that she's like, nope, not working with y'all anymore. All bets are off right now. And so, and I would imagine, again, we saw Corey like leave Joel in the dust if it came down to him getting above another team when he felt like he was at risk. And considering that I think at the final four, all teams have to feel at risk at some point. I think you can't be doing this at this point. All right. Anything else about Rob and Corey, Mike? No, we didn't get any sort of like, uh, oh, Rob's an expert on all Nobel Peace Prize winners. So unfortunately, we missed out on that tidbit this week. Yeah, I feel like that's kind of like NATO adjacent. I feel like that he would probably know a lot about that. Well, I mean, Sweden, I believe, is in NATO. So I suppose it's like a topic nested within another topic. Yeah. Okay. Then our fourth place team, it's Steve and Annalie. And I, I thought it was such a bounce back week for them until ultimately at the very end. I mean, this could be their um, one weakness is that Steve is very slow. Yeah, I mean, he is the oldest person left in the race by a fair margin. I think to your point, this leg was the best and worst things about Steve and Annalie. The best is... Again, they have such good attention to detail. Annalie has this ability to just absolutely beast her way through these challenges, having people second-guess their own methods. But the worst can come in being able to keep up with these other teams from a foot race capacity. Mm -hmm. And I know that the finale has become less about like, oh my God, it's a foot race to the pit stop. We very rarely get that. 
but the most the majority of final legs are like on foot make your way around a city for the day and i could see a world where just like steve really gets slowed down i mean he was having a rough time by the time they got to the pit stop and that was after a significant amount of running so i am nervous for the two of them i think to that point i don't think they're going to win the amazing race okay mike question for you how old is steve steve is fifth i want to say he's 51 oh okay uh he's 54 okay look at you yes. steve look at you steve uh but i would have guessed like i uh, like oh it's 68 like, uh, like, I feel like that they treat Steve like he is like, you know, an elderly person. Well, Annalie, I remember, is really young. I think Annalie is like 23. And so, listen, no judgment to people that would have kids late in life. But like, that would be big. That'd be 40 mm-hmm. year old Steve raising a baby. <laughs> I'd watch it. It'd be a good show. <laughs> raising Steve. Mm-hmm. Yeah. OK, so. Annalie really, uh, you know, has been such a speed demon on some of these tasks. So I'm rooting for them uh, just on the strength of Annalie. Yeah. And I think we also got to get a little bit of uh, their Achilles heel and like them bickering back and forth. It was obviously not nearly as bad as the self-driving, but you got a little bit of spatting about like Annalie basically telling her dad to hurry him up at every circumstance and him basically replying with like, I'm trying my best. So I expect we're going to get more of that, especially as the stakes keep increasing. Okay. All right. And then finally, Todd and Ashley. I mean, uh, we got to see Todd and Ashley in true uh, Todd and Ashley form uh, this week as uh, Todd, the big golden retriever of this season of The Amazing Race. He literally is Air Bud. He's a golden retriever (laughs) that played basketball. (laughs) Yeah, he was so excited to go and do skydiving. And then ultimately, even when they were down and out, he still had a positive mindset. Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting to have had them interact on the train, especially compared to like Robin and Chelsea, who were not seen as the most positive beacons of light, but even using that moment to think, let's just be grateful for the time that we have. Todd was, I think, trying to like, glom onto that and Ashley was having nothing of it even after experiencing this exhilarating skydive and I could understand it from her perspective if she feels like she was the one to cost her team the race because it was theoretically her not doing as well on the wreaths that failed the team it would definitely have me in my feels let alone her but it was also very fun to like have that back and forth of Todd saying you know what we're really blessed to be here and Ashley's like that's loser talk (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I, I mean, I guess that's the great lesson of the Amazing Race is that you go do it and then you find out you don't need a million dollars. Yeah, Rob, I know that's one of your reality TV pet peeves, though, right? Or have you come around in your own Steve Twilight age about people that are like, I feel like the true winner, even though I didn't win? Yeah, I mean, it's not one of my favorite things uh, when people declare themselves the winner when they are not. But, you know, like... I, I still can see the value. And I don't want to say that my cold heart, you know, can't ever see the value in like, okay, we like sort of like learn something new about our relationship and that we have a deeper understanding of each other and our family and an appreciation. So I don't want to necessarily say, uh, I, I don't think this was exactly what they did. I think that like a little bit more annoying when people in their final words of survivors say like, uh, you know, I, I am the winner. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, I mean, also just to eulogize them, I really enjoyed the energy that Todd and Ashley were bringing because like Todd was the golden retriever, but he was like the golden retriever in the meme where he's sitting behind the computer and says, I have no idea what I'm doing because he was the one that was like pioneering. Oh, I'll give you the answer if you let me jump to the front of the line. Oh, let's work together on all this stuff, which I'm really intrigued to get their opinions on like Robin and Chelsea. I know that both of our interviews with Chelsea, she certainly shed some light on her perspective of the whole like does not play well with others uh, mm -hmm. sort of critique that they've been receiving. She didn't and like so, it. Yeah, I, I think she's like, listen, we worked with teams. We just didn't work with Todd and Ashley and Stephen and Ali and they weren't happy about it. And they were the most vocal behind it. So I'm excited to get their perspective. Uh, you know, as Todd talked about, we have to remember they sp they said five, six years ago, this wouldn't have happened. I mean, maybe it would have happened just in a much more toxic variety. They would have been one of those like couples on The Amazing Race that you're like, I don't think I want to see this happen on reality television. It feels a bit too much of a window into your relationship. But the fact that they were able to, you know, produce a healthy, happy family from that and race around the world together. And even if they had their differences, they still like walked out with their very tall heads held high. I'm happy. I did not see them going out in this spot. And honestly, I wish their time in Stockholm brought a bit more climacticism. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you know, when they're looking at the journey versus the destination, much like a subway stop, I enjoyed it. Yeah. And I guess what they ultimately learned uh, in Stockholm was to love uh, their tormentor, the amazing race. Exactly. They fell in love with it after being tortured over the course of a day. Mm -hmm. Much like Midsommar, they were just um, um, immersed in flowers and became indoctrinated into this hellacious cult. Mike, where are we headed to next? Are we spending another leg here in Sweden? No, no, we're going off to the wee Emerald Isle. We're off to Ireland for our penultimate okay. leg. And I am so excited, Rob, because if it looks like what I think it looks like, we're doing some river dance next week. Okay. All right. Um, Listen, we love when teams sing. We love when teams dance. I feel like we have not gotten that really at all. The pot routine was maybe the closest thing we've gotten to it, but it was more about the pot than anything. So I'm really excited. I'm very excited for Joel and Garrett and Rob and Steve to have to mm -hmm. dance in particular. Yeah, so it'll really come down to whether it's a roadblock or a detour. I think that that's really going to uh, be a big determining factor in terms of who gets through this, because I feel like, okay, Anna Lee could ace it, but I feel like if Joel and Garrett both have to do something, um, yeah. you know, I think this could be tricky. We know even Corey had so much trouble earlier in the season uh, with balancing the pot on his head. So yeah, we'll see. Yeah, makes me excited, though, because, again, that's going to create some more variants. I hope there's a lot of placement shifting. Again, these are four capable teams, and they're all close together. They'll all be arriving in Ireland together. So penultimate legs, you know, anything typically goes. So I'm excited. I'm expecting a Joel and Garrett boot here coming up next, but we could be surprised. Stranger things have happened, but... We're but a fortnight away, Rob, from the finale of The Amazing Race yep. 35. It's okay. already coming to a close. Yep, coming up uh, looking like December 13th uh, will be The mm -hmm. Amazing Race uh, 35 finale. Mike, anything else about episode 10? No, uh, I think, again, from my perspective, uh, still a little bit of a step down, much like that downward slope that they went down on the biggest ski jump in Slovenia. That's kind of been the trajectory of the season the past couple of weeks, but I'm still enjoying it, mostly because I really enjoy these teams, and I'm excited for what's to come in these next two weeks, regardless of the outcome, 
or the composition of the tasks. I think it should be a lot of fun and especially getting to talk about it with you and Jess to close out the year. Okay. All right. We've got just uh, two weeks left of the Amazing Race before we crown our winner. Still, uh, we'll talk with Todd and Ashley coming up on Thursday. Jess and I uh, will be speaking with them. And Mike, of course, will have his interview for Parade.com. Mike, what else is coming up for you? Well, because of the Turkey Day celebrations, of course, all the CBS exit press got belatedly pushed to this past Monday. So in case you missed it, we just mentioned it, but I know... Robin Jess, as well as myself, spoke with Chelsea. Robin was unfortunately able, not able to make it. Really fun interview. Got a lot of perspectives, in particular, again, into like her reaction to the edit, you know, their choice to not necessarily work with other teams or work with them from certain perspectives. So again, that's the fun part about these uh these interviews is like getting people's perspectives from their own journey on the race. So definitely recommend that one. Also spoke with the most recently voted out survivor contestant, as well as the most recently survivor the most recently voted out survivor contestant from this week up at parade.com with that as well bnb had a really fun one this past yeah. week joined by ali lasher but then had a surprise cameo from omar zahir my god that's omar zahir's music he's like anvil himself uh coming in to drop the anvil by assigning birds mm -hmm. to the survivor 45 contestants i learned a lot about birds and i think you all will as well and we'll be having puya on this week to break down what I thought was a really fun episode of Survivor. And then post-show recaps, talking Battlestar Galactica, continuing to talk Fargo. Really enjoyed the first two episodes of Fargo. Uh, season five, episode one, might have been my favorite episodes in quite some time. So doing that every week with Grace Leader and Latanya Starks. Hey, the holidays are coming around as well. And yes. if you, for some reason, want to get a Mike Bloom cameo under oh. the tree for your loved one, <laughs> You can go onto my cameo. Will you wear a costume for people? Uh, I have and I will. Yes. I have done it many times before. This is now a part of the repertoire. So if you would like me to undergo my own form of Stockholm Syndrome torture and wear this absolute mane on my head as I talk about any sort of random subject around the reality TV sphere or otherwise, I would be more than happy to do so for the low, low price of $15. You can check that out. Yes. Same handle as I have on social media at a Mike Bloom type. Yes, I see you in wearing uh, different costumes here on Cameo. So uh, yeah, go ahead. Best $15 you're going to spend this holiday season. Yeah, it'll, for less than a price of five subway slash bus trips to your local theater, mm -hmm. you could uh, check out one of my cameos. All right. And we've got a lot going on here on Robin's podcast, including everything going on from Survivor this week. But also we've been covering Squid Game, the challenge. Mike, have yes. you uh, consumed all of that? I am currently at this time we're speaking halfway through the most recent wow. batch of episodes. I mean, I posted one of the clips from episode five on there. There's some wild stuff happening. I mean, I, I wish that the that the challenge had like recruited people in a way that other reality shows do, because there are a couple duos from the Squid Game Challenge or whatever it's called that I would love to see on The Amazing Race together. Okay, uh, we'll see. Maybe uh, Squid Game the Challenge people could make the jump over to other challenges uh, on mm -hmm. Paramount Mountain. And so we'll see if that happens. Chappelle and I got into everything from week one on Monday. And then on Friday, we will be bringing you our second batch of Squid Game recaps. Um, we're going to do that live at 1 p.m. Eastern on Friday. So uh, a lot of great stuff going on here on Rob is a podcast. Make sure you subscribe to everything we're doing. Rob is website.com slash subscribe. Thank you so much for joining us. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Bye.